So let's dive into today's message. Years ago, I came up with a hypothesis. Over the years, I've seen it confirmed enough times, I've now decided that it is a reliable theory. And this, is, this is the theory, this is the hypothesis. If you want to understand the way an adult handles their life, you need to understand how they thought of themselves in high school. Those that thought they were cool in high school will try to continue to recreate and live out that experience. Those that thought of themselves as being inferior socially will be trying to, they'll be motivated to overcome that in their adult life. Basically, the theory argues that most people's understanding of themselves is a reaction, positive or negative, to the formative teenage years. The initial impulse for the theory was a song by the pop artist John Mayer called No Such Thing. Mayer sings about going back to high school and running through the halls, telling everyone that he has discovered the secret to life. When this song came out, I loathed it. I just despised it. And not much has changed since then. The reason was is because when Mayer wrote the song, he was 30 years old. Here's this 30-year-old guy talking about how he wants to go back to high school to prove everyone wrong that didn't think highly enough of him. And then I realized what he was saying in the song is what many people that I knew and was interacting with regularly felt but couldn't state quite as clearly. Bruce Springsteen's song, Glory Days, expresses a similar theme about people wanting to go back to a time where they had a high status, where others thought well of them. I think what I was identifying in my theory is the role that status plays in how people live their lives. For high schoolers, status, where one fits in the social hierarchy, is important. While adults may be better at hiding it, I don't think the importance of status actually recedes all that much over time. It would be weird to hear an adult say that they want to be popular. But when you look at the way people go about things, you see how the desire to have status motivates their actions. The Bible is well aware of the fallen psychology that exists in all, in all people. In today's text from the end, of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in the beginning of chapter 2, Paul addresses the desire for status. His original readers may not have gone to high school, but they were nonetheless worried about status. So if you will turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, we will read through chapter 2, verse 5. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, 
going through chapter 2, verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The Corinthians were status hungry. People always are, but the dynamics of the culture they found themselves in meant that their status was not decided. You could rise up the social hierarchy, but you could fall down it as well. Their faith reflected their desire for status. This was a problem. It is no less of a problem for us to live out the Christian faith well. A believer must divorce themselves from the pursuit of worldly status. The identity God has given believers through Christ must be embraced. Our status as Christians is not based on the temporary victories we might achieve in this world. Our status is a product of Jesus' victory for us on the cross. The desire to achieve or maintain status It motivates so much of human behavior. If you think about it, the desire to be considered valuable by others is probably the primary motivator for how most people live. We are social creatures, after all. We want to know where we fit in the hierarchy that exists around us. Children want to know where they exist in the family structure. As we age we begin to leave, and we begin to leave the home, we explore where we fit with our peers. Adulthood is about trying to figure out our level in the wider world. A desire for status motivates our actions. The efforts undertaken will vary depending on the social hierarchy a person is trying to establish themselves within. Pursuits that appear wildly different on the surface result from the same underlying hunger. 
an eight-year-old girl that wants a new dress wants the same thing as a 57-year-old man who is trying to get a promotion at work. The little girl and the middle-aged man just have different approaches for gaining the approval of others. The desire for status is not a new phenomenon or any less the case than it used to be. In every society throughout history, a lot of attention has been paid to it. Although different societies have had different ways of establishing a person's value. If you were in a tribal society, the way to show you were valuable was to be a fearless warrior or a wise old person. Today we focus more on youth and technical knowledge. Throughout all of history, being attractive has been desirable. Wealth never goes out of style. The main difference that exists between different societies is the amount of movement that is possible in the larger societal structure. More antiquated societies were generally, generally pretty set. If you were born a peasant or a serf, <clears throat> the chances you were going to end up as royalty were non-existent. Modern societies are more fluid. Those that are particularly gifted with intelligence, charisma, beauty, or ability can rise up through the ranks. While the greater possibility of attaining higher status isn't bad, it is more stressful. In societies where a person is born locked in to a certain position, you kind of just have to accept that that's your lot in life. When this is not the case, when a person can work their way up, it creates an underlying anxiety, a pressure to do so. This pressure certainly existed in Corinth, just as it exists here on the North Shore in 2020. You can see the Corinthians' obsession with status throughout today's verses, especially in verse 26, where Paul points out the people that make up the church there were not celebrated by the worldly standards of the time. I imagine that if Paul was writing the same letter to us today, he would point out not many of us are rich. Not many of us are powerful, and not many of us have large social media followings, as these are the worldly standards common to our present day. The search for status is really a search for value. We want to know our lives matter. We want some proof, a lack of proof is taken as proof that our lives are inconsequential. This is a belief that would lead to depression and despair. When others acknowledge our value, it feels like the evidence that we need. That is why you and I hunger for the approval of others. 
bosses, spouses, friends, parents, children, random people on the street are all looked to for confirmation that my life matters. The problem is that worldly status is fleeting. You have to constantly struggle to maintain your spot in the hierarchy. That's, that's a stressful reality to live in. So three and a half years ago, my family got this dog. This dog is named Pogo. Pogo is a rescue. And when we got Pogo, he already had some mental health issues, okay? So he came to us with these mental health issues, but there have been certain ways that we have perpetuated those issues. And when he first came, he saw himself at the top of our family's hierarchy. He respected no one, right? But pretty quickly, I was able to get him to respect me. And then not long thereafter, I was able to get him to respect, or Anne was get, able to get him to respect her. But the problem is, we have these four other people in our family, these four boys, they're all in the process of growing up. And it's clear that this is very stressful for Pogo because Pogo sees himself constantly losing spots in our family's hierarchy. He seems to have pretty much decided at this point that my oldest son, Josiah, is now above him. He seems comfortable with that. My middle two boys, Micah and Levi, he doesn't quite know where he stands with them. You can see him kind of trying to figure it out all the time. And then with my youngest son, Ezra, he's really clear that he's still above Ezra in the pecking order and seems to feel really good about that. But the problem is, is that Pogo's lack of certainty of where he exists in this pack of our family means that he acts in these neurotic and bizarre ways to try to elevate his status. So one of these things happened last week. Um, something had been happening around the house that stressed him out. And so Anne was down in the basement and Pogo just walks down to the basement, looks at Anne, and then pees on the couch. And it was one of these moves by the dog where he's clearly trying to say like, this belongs to me. He was trying to establish his status. The thing is, is that we are in many ways like Pogo. People whose status in this world on, is dependent on what others think of them will find themselves experiencing emotions similar to what he experiences. This is because worldly status is always eroding. It is a struggle to maintain. It requires the newest thing, another promotion at work or something else that can assure us of our status in the eyes of the people that we base our own value on. People act in selfish and neurotic ways for the sake of status. For Christians, our status is not based on what we have been able to attain through our own efforts in the eyes of others. It is based on the status of Jesus Christ. Verse 28 and 29 of chapter 1 state, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. 
God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. This is not a new development. God likes using surprising people to accomplish his purposes. Think of Moses or Ruth in the Old Testament. Think of Mary or Peter in the New. God consistently uses people that lack status in the world. Moses was an escaped murderer that didn't speak well. Ruth was an immigrant widow. Mary was an unmarried pregnant woman. Peter was a loose cannon. God doesn't want anyone to be confused about where our status as people comes from. He has no interest in riding on the coattails of human accomplishments. He wants to make sure we are clear that he is the only one that can impart status. Our relationship with him is what determines our life's value and meaning. We cannot boast in ourselves. We can only boast in God. He is the source of our salvation. He is the source of every good thing we can do in the world, whether that be making a lot of money, being attractive, or any other attribute the world might celebrate. Jesus is who gives Christians status. We are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus imparts to us the status that we could do nothing to gain for ourselves. He redeems and sanctifies. He makes us righteous. Through him, we become children of God. As it is written, let the one boast who boasts in the Lord. Our status is due to what Christ has already done. We are given a place in God's hierarchy. The status we have through God's provision in Jesus changes the way we live. We don't have to constantly be striving. The value others place on us doesn't matter. It is not contingent on what your boss thinks, what your parents think, or even your spouse. Your status has been assigned to you by God through Jesus Christ. Christ. Instead of looking to the things of this world to provide value and meaning for our lives, we can look to them as good things to enjoy. Our ultimate status being in Christ means we can interact with this world without expecting it to validate our existence. In the opening verses of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is reminding his hearers what they have clearly forgotten. He did not win them over originally by overwhelming them with his own worldly status. 
He came in weakness and fear and much trembling. The message he shared was not in plausible words of wisdom. Paul did not win them over with oratory. He did not present himself as one with any worldly status. Remember, he was supporting himself as a worker sowing tents. The Corinthians have forgotten what the gospel is all about. It is about Jesus Christ crucified, not Paul's capabilities. He demonstrated the Spirit of God to them. Churches today suffer the same gospel amnesia that played out in Corinth. Many churches focus on things that establish worldly status. The churches perceived as successful are those with the markers of worldly success. Instead of prioritizing knowing Christ fully, the bells and the whistles take precedence. When things other than the cross are the primary focus, it creates confusion about what being a Christian even means. What a person is saved with is what a person is saved to. This explains a significant amount of the rot in the United States and evangelical churches in particular. People are pointed to Jesus using an emotionally manipulative, individualistic presentation of the gospel that is reliant on the lofty speech and sweet words that Paul himself lacked. It should be no surprise that the faith that results does not find its security in what God has done. Another status-related issue in churches occurs when individuals try to establish their status through standing in the church. This is what the Pharisees did in the Jewish context. Jesus highlights what this looks like in Luke 18. In a story Jesus tells, a Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. For the Pharisee, in Jesus' story, religion is just a means of establishing that he has higher status than those he is surrounded by. Nothing the Pharisee does is about God. All of it is about him. I, 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 I. The point of this type of religion is to prove I am better than the next guy. There is no status that can be attained in the church that is any greater than the status Jesus has freely given through the cross. Those that are looking to use the church as a means to achieve status are showing that they haven't fully grasped what has been done for them. They are trading the fleeting praise of a few people for the security of God's love. 
Such hypocrites who camouflage their selfish ambition with false righteousness will one day learn they have already received their reward. We show we really understand the status we have through the cross when we actually live the cross out in our lives, especially in church community. Jesus stated clearly what this looked like when he said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We demonstrate the power the spirit has had in our lives when we exhibit the faith, hope, and love that only the spirit can bring about through living sacrificially. Embracing the status God has given us in Christ means rejecting worldly standards. It looks like sacrifice from a worldly perspective. In fact, it is a rejection of the fleeting status of this world for the heavenly status that lasts for eternity. Whatever you think gives you status will be the thing that you worship. It will be the thing that you build your life around. This varies depending on the time, place, and person. There are certain things that always bring status, wealth, beauty, athletic gifting. Other things come and go. When I look back on my high school, a lot of what I look to as a source of status seems pretty silly now. When we look for status from what is available in this world, we will always be struggling. Our efforts cannot solidify our status. We will always be striving or resigning ourselves to the fact that we just can't measure up. Through Jesus Christ, we have a certain status. He is our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. The status we boast of is the status that has been freely given us in the Lord. The way we go about our lives should reflect who we are in Christ. Church, especially, should be a place where we live out our heavenly status. We should not rely on worldly means to point others to Christ. We should, we should not use religion as one more means of raising ourselves above others. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. From it, those who place their trust in Jesus are raised up to the status of children of God. We show we understand the status that has been granted us through the cross of Christ when we live out the cross in our lives and in the church. Let's pray. Dear Lord, the Corinthians had heard the gospel. They knew it. They believed it. But they had returned to their former way of thinking. They had combined the cross 
with their pre-existing beliefs on status, much to their own detriment, Lord. And, and we so often do the same. I pray that you would help us to place our status in Christ alone. Not in, our, not in our own efforts or accomplishments, Lord, but in what Christ has done for us, Lord. I ask that you would be with us as we live our lives and that we would not look for the validation we desire through the means of this world or from the, from the relationships we have in this world. But Lord, that we would look for that validation, the only place that, can, that it can only ultimately be found, which is in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.